We all have a story to tell. Let's tell yours. Welcome to the Intellectual People Podcast with your host, Jason. Come together and listen to journey stories and more from interesting people. Welcome your host, Jason. Welcome to the Intellectual People Podcast. Today, I have Alyssa and Jen from In Beauty Project. How are you doing today? We're great. We're doing well, good. We're happy to be here. Thank you for having us. Thank you so much for joining. What is In Beauty Project? I can jump in. Uh, since there's two of us, the beauty is you don't always have to hear the same person talking. In Beauty is a new skincare brand that Jen and I developed over the past year and a half to two years. And we are about next generation skincare offering clean, effective products to the future consumer, to the younger gener gener generation, those that aren't finding what they want currently in the market at a price that they can afford. And is it built upon the, the cost mainly? because the newer generation in terms of financials? I'll jump in here. So I think there was a couple of things that Alyssa and I identified in terms of market opportunity when we were thinking about being crazy and starting this brand. You know, the first thing was, um, this was about what, five, six years ago, Alyssa, but we were working for another brand together. And one of the key trends that we were seeing was wellness. People were really starting to focus on not only what they put in their body, but also what they put on their skin. Um, and so what we saw was a lot of really great brands like Drunk Elephant and Beauty Counter start really talking about that and educating the consumer. But what you saw was really high price points for those products. So you're thinking about an average product price point of $60, $70 plus and a regimen being $300 plus. When you think about the average U.S. household income, which is $45,000 a year, that becomes a proposition for most people that they just can't even consider. Um, you know, we don't want to have people think, can I, um, you know, have a self-care routine with great skincare or do I have to pay my rent this month? That shouldn't be a conversation <clears throat> that one has to ask themselves, right? So that was the first thing we were really noticing was the price points of these clean, effective skincare brands were extremely high. The second thing we noticed was the branding in the market all started looking the same. Glossier, which we're huge fans of, um, has done such an amazing job really owning millennial pink and really building a branded community around that millennial pink. But then you started seeing a lot of other brands, which we won't name, but a lot of other brands starting to copy the pastel pink or pastel peach, and it became a sea of pastels or white bottles with leaves on them. Um, and so we like to say, you know, we wanted to go the opposite direction, love it or hate it, you can't forget it. Our packaging is super bold and bright. It's also a way to really build a community around the fun of the packaging and the boldness and the brightness. Whereas we see a lot of color brands really taking advantage of that fun type of packaging. You don't really see it in the skincare world. So we're trying to bring that sense of community and that sense of fun into skincare as well. Um, and then the third thing we saw was that, you know, back in the day when you had the heritage brands like Estee Lauder and L'Oreal and Clarins, and they're really, you know, targeting who, was the person that was spending the most on skincare at the time, which was Caucasian women in their 40s and 50s who were dealing with dryness and wrinkles. And I think we've come such a long way from that. But because I will say a lot of times 
skincare brands or color brands in the market tend to look at what's previously done and kind of copy it because they're like, oh, that worked. So let's keep it going. But what we noticed is when we started the brand, we actually polled a lot of consumers and just asked them, like, what are your top skin concerns? And I'll tell you, dryness and wrinkles was not in the top five. Um, so we wanted to approach skincare from a more holistic, creative way and addressing what we're seeing as the top skin concerns from Gen Z to younger millennials, which is uneven skin tone, uneven skin texture, acne, lots of different things that's not just dryness and wrinkles. So those were the three main things that we really identified in terms of what we wanted to do to change change the skincare game and change the market. It's great. How did how did In Beauty Project come about? How did the two of you meet? How did we get started and become what it is today? So I'll speak for myself here, but I've worked in the beauty industry for my entire career and I've worked for some beautiful brands and founders and CEOs. And that was always enough for me. I'm in love with marketing, branding, really connecting a consumer to a product and creating a need or building a brand. And never had I thought that I was going to quit my job and start this crazy journey until Jen and I met at our previous company. And so I was the head of marketing. Jen was the head of uh, product innovation and development. And we just really clearly saw this white space, which is what Jen explained, Clean beauty was too expensive, too millennial pink, and wasn't catering to this next generation, the younger audience. And we just couldn't get this idea out of our heads that, you know, there, there's this brand that needs to exist and it doesn't. And it started as a really light conversation about, you know, what what if this, like, can what if we create this product and what if it looked really bright and fun? And can you imagine what the Instagram feed would look like and the kind of content partners we would work with? And we just couldn't let it go. That was really it. And so one day we looked at each other and we said, like, you know, we can't let this go. We have to, we owe it to ourselves, our passion for the industry and our passion for beauty and the consumers to try this out. So one day we looked at each other, we said, okay, we're, we're going to make this happen. We're going to try. We know, we know that out of a hundred percent of startups and new companies, I think it's like less than 5%, like two or 3% actually succeed. And I think the term succeed is also kind right. of vague, but we couldn't let it go. We, so I'd say the first conversation about this started like five years ago. And we were also on the same page as far as what we wanted to create. In fact, we were <clears throat> at one point sharing kind of notes where Jen was independently somewhere kind of typing up an idea for a brand or for a, for a set of products that she had a passion for. And this was independent of knowing each other even before we had we had met in our previous roles. And I was I remember I was on vacation one day and thinking about, you know, like there's there's like this idea I have and I typed it up in an email. And we compared notes and we looked at each other and we were shocked because they were just like perfectly fit together. And that's how that's how it all started. It wasn't, you know, we didn't have like this big business plan or this big case study or someone that came to us and said, here, we're going to throw a bunch of money at you. Can you create a brand? It was really like from our hearts, from our passion and also from knowing the playbook, working for a bunch of com big companies, small companies, founders, knowing what it takes to succeed, which was also crucial. Yeah. Great. 
Did you find, Alyssa, as a marketing director for a large company, that this idea of InBeauty Project was not interesting to them because of the market share? Why, why would this product not work in a large-scale company? I actually think the opposite. Having experience at the L'Oreal's and Procter & Gamble's, the number one goal challenge objective is how do we acquire and bring in a younger consumer so that he or she can grow with the brand for the next 10, 20, 30 years. And that is the biggest challenge with all of the larger companies because they have an aging consumer that will, by marketing terms, die and kind of wither away at a certain point. And so the the hot topic is always how do we create something so fun, so exciting that we're capturing the teens, the 20s, the younger millennials, the older millennials. And so in fact, the reason why we set out on this journey is because we knew how attractive this proposition was. If you look at the skincare landscape and the heritage brands, what Jen mentioned, the Lauders, the Cliniques, they're a bit stale. And, and I'm not afraid to say it. And this is why we wanted to really disrupt. We wanted to disrupt with color, with marketing, with uh, product benefits, with price point. You know, why should you have to pay 50, 60, 70, $80 for a moisturizer? Because those are really attractive margins at a, lab, uh, at a large company. Well, I think if you get creative, and this is where Jen's expertise comes in, you don't have to. You can charge 20, 30. So in fact, it's the opposite. I think this type of business model and this type of brand will fly at a big company. And so that's really our hope. Great. Can you each describe what your exact job roles are? Clearly, Alyssa, you're in the marketing and you mentioned uh, what Jen does, but if you can dive a little bit deeper into what you actually do and how you do it, that would be great. I mean, I'll start here. So I think like, you know, <laughs> we each have our, you know, professional realms that we came from. But honestly, being a co-founder of a brand is a, it's a whole different type of territory. You really do so much more and I'm not afraid to share that, you know, Alyssa and I pack boxes out of our home for better part of a year. Um, and it would be six hours a day. We'd be in there packing boxes and running them to the UPS and the post office. And you, there's really like no job too small or too large. And you have to be able to embrace all of it and learn as you go. Um, I'll say like, technically, my role has always been product development um, innovation and operation side of things. So managing um, the pipeline from kind of concept to, you know, what I want it to feel like, what I want it to smell like, what I want it to do in terms of efficacy. Um, I'm a huge um, lover of different types of ingredients. So studying all of the, you know, medical journals and clinical studies on all of these really great ingredients um, so that we can be at the forefront of innovation. I also manage all the, you know, manufacturer relationships. So making sure everything goes smoothly from the lab to production and all of that. Um, but like I said, in addition, there's just a lot of, there's a lot of other things that you do as a co-founder as well that are a little bit outside of your typical realm of job role. And yeah. if you don't mind, Jen, if we can get into the technical details of the research and development that you're doing. I presume that you do, you mentioned a lab that you do have a lab that's contracted for in beauty. Is that correct? Yeah. So we, we actually, we work with a couple of different contract manufacturers. We have one in South Korea. We have two in the U S um, that we're currently working with that we've built really strong relationships with. I've personally worked with them for a long time. So before in beauty as well. So I knew, you know, these are large FDA audited facilities that, 
can really scale with you as you grow, um, which is important to me because a lot of times I think if you don't have the experience, you start with smaller, really mom and pop manufacturers. There's nothing wrong with that, but then you have a really hard time taking it from that couple of thousand of units to you know 500,000 to a million units. And so that scalability is super important when you're looking for a manufacturer. Um, but the way we typically work with our manufacturers is I will think up an idea, usually work with Alyssa on that. And then we, um, you know, really like lay out every single thing that we want and we don't want the formula to be in terms of texture, absorption, smell, efficacy, what ingredients do I want in there? What percent, what medical studies back those up? Um, and then I work with the chemist directly to make that come to life. Um, and then we we iterate on submissions. So they'll send submissions. I'll, you know, tweak it. I feel really great about these aspects. These need to be improved and we'll continue oftentimes for like 20 to 30 rounds, um, which is quite a lot. But I'm also a perfectionist, which can drive Alyssa crazy sometimes. She does because... not stop. She really doesn't stop. She's like, I think I have another, an, an, another tweak. And so I'm the one that's it. like, okay, we got to go. We got to <laughs> put this to bed. We have to launch it. Sephora needs this. But I think that kind of commitment to perfection and excellence is what makes this brand succeed and is such a like a like a core core asset. How do you test it? Other than beta testers in yourselves, how do you test it? So it depends if you're talking about like, do we test the efficacy and the active percent level of a raw material and for certain products that um, where the ingredient can be unstable or degrade over time, we definitely do test the levels to make sure what we're saying is in there is actually in there and it's actually going to work for skin. And then as we test on people, we, we, we test, you know, our followers, we get them involved. I'm working on a launch um, for next year that's been a highly requested product from our brand. And so we have 50 people who, you know, are our followers who want to get involved and test it. And I mean, who better to test than the people who are buying your products and really understand what they want from the brand. And so we get them involved. We also conduct like consumer surveys and clinical trials. So once we feel like the formula is in a great spot, we have that done through a third party. So we're not, you know, getting involved. It's it's better that way. So it stay, remains anonymous. They don't even know what the brand is. So branding's not involved. It's just formula in an unmarked um, bottle or jar. And then they'll give you their real feedback on how they feel it's working for them, what, the, what it's doing, what it could be improved. So there's a lot of different steps of testing that we take for each formula. Jen, is In Beauty Project cruelty-free? Yes, that is and very important to us. I'm a huge animal lover. So in my opinion, there is no reason really to be using animal derived ingredients um, or be testing on animals. And we even hold our, you know, our raw material manufacturers to the same standard. So I know a lot of times people will say, oh, we're cruelty free, but then people will be like, well, what about your, your, your raw material manufacturers? You know, you have 50 ingredients in each ingredient. Are each of them held to that standard? And they are, our manufacturers are as well. So it's incredibly important right. to us as a brand. Okay, so they're cruelty free is deeper than than what it looks like on the surface. It is, is yes. I will say there's a lot that goes a lot deeper than the surface, including sustainability as well, which is a whole different topic. But uh, yeah, there's a lot of things that um, are marketing buzz terms that go a lot deeper. But it's very important to us to to you know put our money where our mouth is, so to say, and everything we do is vegan and cruelty free. And you also mentioned, if you don't mind, about your products being 
or your suppliers, I should say, are FDA approved, correct? Our manufacturers are, yes, large FDA audited facilities. Now, does that mean that the product that they're producing falls under that umbrella as well? No, not necessarily. So there is a category of products, um, which we are working on a few at the moment that are considered OTC, which stands for over the counter. Those are FDA regulated um, products because you're making like an actual um, like medical claim on the packaging, like, you know, helps with eczema or helps with acne. Um, so those types of things, the FDA is involved and it's a very strict process. Everything else um, is a little bit of like the wild, wild west, which is why it's so important to be able to trust the brand that you're buying products from and trust the manufacturer that you're working with because the FDA does not regulate those products. So you're telling me and every person watching and listening that their mascara, lipstick, blush, eyeliner is literally unregulated of what they're putting on their face and around their eyes. Yeah, we don't ban a lot of ingredients in the US, like the EU bans 1400 plus ingredients. We don't, we're not there yet. Um, And there's a lot of polarizing viewpoints to either side. But yeah, it's, it's not a very regulated space. That's why we're very careful to only work with facilities that are FDA audited, meaning that their whole facility is, has to be up to a certain standard in terms of how they clean their facility, what their ventilation systems are, how many shifts they have their employees working to make sure that their employees aren't too tired and making mistakes. They weigh and QC every raw material that comes in. They QC all of the packaging. So it's why it's very important to make sure that you're working with very trustworthy manufacturers. Without mentioning names, Jen, if you don't mind, is it feasible that large companies, well-known household cosmetic name brands are producing products that, in your opinion, are frightening? I think that's a loaded question, to be honest. It is. Um, (laughs) um, You know, I will say typically larger companies um, do usually work with larger FDA audited facilities because they need that scalability and they need that trustworthiness because if somebody's using something and they have a reaction, let's say their face, you know, a, they burnt their face with the product and, you know, they have like 50 to a hundred people who write in about this or thousands of people who write in about this, then, you know, that could, they could get sued. That's a lawsuit waiting to happen. So I will say larger companies tend to be careful with the manufacturers they're working with. I'd be more concerned if I'm, and I I don't want to like, because I don't know every, you know, shop on Etsy and things like that. But, you know, I think like I'd be more concerned with people who are making it, um, you know, at smaller facilities or they're trying to make it preservative free, which is a whole nother type of movement. Um, and a lot of people are making it in their kitchen. And I think that's where you can get in a lot of trouble because you're not using the right preservatives. I know a lot of people are anti-preservatives, but honestly, in a formulation that's touching your face, near your eyes, near your mouth, if any kind of bacteria, yeast or mold can be growing in that formula, you really, you really do not want to be using it. Um, so I would say I'd be more concerned with the smaller, more, um, less developed companies who are creating products. Understood. Thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah. Alyssa marketing. Yes. Do you do all the branding as well? So everything's a collaborative effort. When Jen and I first decided to do this, we were really set on bright and bold and thankfully we have along the way, 
met some incredible creative talent and we took a very different approach and a different road when we were thinking about what does this brand look like? We definitely had a collective vision, but we needed the right talent, the right creative talent to bring it to life. And our initial agency that helped us with the branding, the look and feel, the packaging design, we found randomly on Instagram on an account called The Dye Line. And so anyone that knows creative packaging knows that The Dye Line is basically the, the blueprint for a package. And so you start off with this blueprint and you layer colors, of uh, copy, everything on top of that. And we reached out to a couple of different companies, design agencies that were global in scope. There was one that we talked to down in Mexico City, one in the UK, um, and we basically said, you know, we're, we, we want to disrupt. We don't want your traditional beauty brand. Uh, we want something that looks and feels really urban, really cool, really different, that will appeal not to just women. So when thinking about Millennial Pink, we wanted a brand that was inclusive in nature. And this one company in particular, they're called Analog, they're based in Leeds, UK, gave us something that blew our minds. They took exactly what we had in our brains and had been thinking and talking about and trying to create like Pinterest boards and PowerPoint decks of, and they made a brand out of it. And that was the foundation for what In Beauty looks like. And I'll tell you, when we were looking for who was going to be our initial design partner in branding, packaging, colorways, everything, we had talked to a lot of the traditional creative agencies that work with all the big companies, the cool startups, and uh, primarily based in New York, because that's where we were, we were based. And that's where the recommendations were coming from. And they gave us a lot of like, here's Glossier 2.0. And when we said, no, we don't want Glossier 2.0 because Glossier exists. You got to innovate. You got to be different. That's really kind of the heart of this brand. We want to be different and not different for the sake of like breaking boundaries and, and, and like looking different or shock value. It's like, what does the consumer desire? Like, what is the right. next thing that they're looking for that they're not finding? And so this one company, creative agency in Leeds that is led by what's interesting to us us, um, mostly, most, mostly males, gave us something that is so groundbreaking and so cool, yet in the beauty space that we have tons of both women and men admiring. And the first conversation we had with them, we were telling them, we're starting this beauty brand, here's the scope of the project. And they, they literally said, you know, we're, we're a bunch of guys, like we don't work on beauty, we like sneakers, and we've done projects for Nickelodeon, and like all these kind of other, other verticals and other fields. And so we said, you're perfect. That's exactly yep. what we want. We want someone that does not have a preconceived notion of what clean beauty, effective beauty should look like. Different perspective. Yep, exactly. I presume that you guys are not packing and shipping out of your houses now, are you? Not anymore. Not, Not anymore. anymore. <laughs> you, it. Um, you know, I will say, I think it is so crucial as a, as a founder of a company to be able to really understand each role and connect with your customer on that level. And it also gave us a level of nimbleness um, where, you know, if we wanted to start including something for free, we could, we wanted to give, you know, a really loyal customer who had ordered nine or 10 times a free product. It was really easy for us to do that and really helped us connect with our consumer at a young stage. So I personally think it was like one of the best things we've done for the company so far. 
other than the two of you, are there any other direct employees? Yes. Yes. Our, our lean and mean team is growing. So we're really excited about that. We're recruiting for a, a few key roles because we know right now, really the key word is execution. We have a woman on our team that is a um, powerhouse when it comes to organic um, social media. So she she handles all of the social, social, social media content, both on Instagram and TikTok and all of our channels. She also handles all the influencer and content creator relations in-house for us. And she's just, I'd say, a renaissance woman overall. She's, she's super talented, super passionate about the industry. We have history with her. Um, her name is Erica. Super, super just fortunate to have her on our, on our team. And we then also, we have someone, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say we have a very strong head of operations um, who's come in to really help us plan out inventory and make sure that we deliver on these goals with Sephora. Um, you know, one of the most important things is staying in stock. And everyone right now is really struggling with supply chain issues. Um, shipping is a mess. Um, air freight is extremely expensive. So making sure we're really getting ahead of it and planning a year to 18 months in advance is what we're looking at now. And she's just done such a wonderful job coming in to help with that demand planning. You're mentioning Sephora, and I think it's important to for you to describe what Sephora is to the listeners so they understand that In Beauty Project has become quite a large name now, right? Landing in Sephora. I mean, I'll just say, like, personally for me, Sephora is the pinnacle of beauty retail. You want to know what's hot, what's cool. You want the best of the best. You walk into Sephora. That's always yeah. been my kind of like mecca of beauty, even growing up and working in the industry. What was the day like when you first, when Sephora signed that contract? Oh my God. You guys walked in there. So surreal. I think that, you know, you mentioned like where we started in college and a little bit different to Alyssa, like, I always like dreamed of having a brand um, and I would go to Sephora in the city on the weekends while I was in college with my friend Liz and we would just look at all of the amazing products and just dream up like what it would be like to have a brand in Sephora. So it's such a surreal thing. They are the marquee brand builder. They've they've done such a wonderful job taking so many indie brands and making them household names. And what I really like love and respect about them as a retailer compared to other retailers is that they're really formula and innovation first versus trend. Um, so they're really all about building brands with longevity, um, which are we're very aligned with in that sense. We're not, even though we're really fun and bold and bright, the heart of our innovation is really in formulation that is going to work and something that you're going to want to repurchase and grow with the brand and continue to use the routine. So that's something we're extremely aligned with them on. Are you guys trying to grow the brand into other retailers? I'd say right now it's like so, so early. We yeah. just put this past month uh, in October rolled out to all of the Sephora brick and mortar doors. So we're in about 490 doors with Sephora. And then there's additional distribution with the Sephora X Coles partnership that is recently announced and come to fruition like uh, everything we do from the minute we wake up to the minute we go to sleep is about how do we support this brand, support this rollout. It's, it's, it's do or die. This is so, so critical. So trying to think of future expansion right now is just extremely premature. Yeah. And Sephora has been really, really great to us. They've been 
they they acutely understood what we stood what we stood for. They understood the white space that we help fill that gap within their portfolio. And Sephora is really the name of the game right now for us. Yeah. What products, if you're willing to say, does In Beauty Project have coming down the pike here? Oh, we have a lot oh. of good stuff. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, we have to keep our innovation really close to our chest um, just because there are people out there who probably, you know, have eyes on on all the brands, especially brands that are in Sephora and, um, you know, want to try to beat us to the punch. So I will say we can't really share what's coming up, but I will I will expand upon a little bit about our our development strategy um, now knowing that we're in Sephora and knowing that the consumer, the Sephora consumer is so smart. They are so knowledgeable on ingredients. They are looking for, you know, the most well-studied ingredients. They're looking things with, for things with serious efficacy. Um, and our first real launch that we tailored directly for Sephora is our top seller. Um, so that's our green machine um, serum, which has a super potent oil-soluble vitamin C, which is 50 times more effective than water-soluble vitamin C, which is what you often see on the market. It has 250,000 sustainably sourced plant cells for firming and brightening. It also has 2% azelaic acid, which is going to help really even skin tone and help clarify the skin as well. So that's been our top seller. It's really a very efficacious, like jam-packed formula. And we're seeing the, cons the support consumer really respond to it. So our innovation pipeline moving forward is more of that type of stuff. Very highly efficacious, jam-packed with ingredients, a holistic approach that the skin's concerned we're trying to solve. Um, so we're very excited. I think next year will be a really strong year for us. Wonderful. I love the innovation. That's uh, something that means a lot to me. So it's it's so wonderful to see it. So important. It's so important. Yeah. Absolutely. Alyssa and Jen, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you wish I would have or that you would like to share? You've been pretty thorough. I'm trying to think anything we'd like to share. We covered how blown away we are that like you walk in as a founder yeah. and see your brand on the wall. It and yeah. it's just, it doesn't feel real. And the sense of pride that you have and the love for what you do. I will say the one part that you didn't cover and I don't want to kind of cover it up is starting a company and being yeah. a founder. It's extremely hard. Also it's say being extremely a, hard. Being a female uh, founder is difficult as well. I will say that. Yeah. Um, and I'll say like personally, I've had many friends, people I meet that say, oh, I've, I've got I've got an idea. Like I, I want to start a company and I, I want to do this. I've got a couple hours, you know, after work or I'm I'm home with the kids, but I can try to make it work. And so my advice is unless you're you're truly like cannot like live without making this idea come to life and 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 you you cannot let this idea go or whatever whatever your dream and hope is it's extremely hard i would not recommend it there are sleepless nights somebody once told me in startup life the highs are high and the lows are low and you wake up every day and quite frankly you start from zero and every mm -hmm. day i talk to jen and i think and and i talk to myself and i say you know is anyone going to buy anything and luckily they are, but it's a build there. It doesn't happen overnight. It's extremely hard. It's extremely stressful. There are a lot of people that doubt you. There are a lot of people that say, you know, yeah, this is cute and good luck to you. Like it'll work out maybe. And the level of accountability that you have as a founder 
you're accountable for everything. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't think it matters whether you have a team of three or four, if you have a team of 100, at the end of the day, you're accountable for everything from the person who's packing your boxes to the person that's leading your financials, it falls on you. And so that's a lot of responsibility. There's no vacation, there's no weekend, there's no, there's no off hours if a customer is upset it is on you to make them happy, make it, make it right. And so it's, it's a lot of work. I think like between Jen and I, we've aged a couple of years in the past, I'd say like year and maybe not a couple, maybe like five to 10. <laughs> it's still 1000% worth it to me because I have always said, I will do this until the day I die. Um, in some capacity, as long as my body and my brain is enables me to, um, but it's very hard. Understood. Yeah. I think the reality is, I, I think we, I, I went into it. I'm not going to speak for Alyssa, but I went into it knowing that this is going to be extremely difficult. Um, and it was a challenge that I was absolutely up for. It's something I've always wanted to do. I was always very hesitant to even think about my own brand though, because being an innovation for various different brands, I got a little jaded because everything's the same. There's not a whole lot of innovation. Um, and then we had this really like light bulb moment about this brand and about really trying to change what has become the typical in the skincare industry. And I'm not even talking like consumer facing, but behind doors as well, right? There's this idea where you come from this brand. Well, they took that margin. So I'm going to take that margin. They charge $60. So I'm going to charge $60 and mm -hmm. it doesn't need to be that way. And I think consumers are wising up and they're starting to realize it doesn't need to be that way. And so we're really kind of out in the front here trying to change the skincare game and it's it's tough it's a difficult thing to do um but i'm super passionate about it Alyssa's super passionate about it and so like it's got to be your passion and your your very very focused vision that gets you through those low lows um because there's a lot of them there, we're not gonna lie there's a lot of those low lows um but even in those low lows it's still 1000 percent worth it wonderful one quick question regarding pricing to, to talk about what you just mentioned, do you find it difficult to overcome the fact that you're, you not only want to have a better product, but you want to have a less expensive product where the mindset of the consumer is, uh, if it's more expensive, it's definitely better, mm -hmm. right? And you're trying to break that cycle that this is properly engineered and it's less expensive for many reasons on the backside, if you will, from a business yeah. standpoint, do you find that's difficult to get through to the consumer? I'll just quickly jump in on the marketing side. The big companies from the L'Oreal's to the Estee Lauder's have spent billions of dollars marketing luxury, billions. Mm -hmm. They have ingrained into every consumer's brain that if you want to do right by yourself, if you want to treat yourself to the best and you want quality, you have to spend. They have literally, it's been, it's been generations upon generations of that type of thought leadership and marketing mm -hmm. that what we're doing is really, it does it may not seem that way, but it's groundbreaking and it's innovative that we are next to those higher price points at Sephora. Those are our neighbors to the top, bottom, mm -hmm. left, and right. And we are at the same level of quality. However, we're getting it to you for cheaper, half or even less than half. And so, yes, that is really hard because of the the way the big institutions have led the charge for so many years. Yeah, I will say, I think that it's a bit of, 
antiquated thinking. And I think the younger generations, the Gen Zs and the younger millennials are starting to realize. And, you know, I think we're, we're really hitting the market at the right time. I think we're mm -hmm. the first, but I think that that's when you're first, like Glossier, I'm going to just say it, we're big fans of what they've done. When you're first like that, you have the chance to really mold that message and do right by the consumer. So that's a really exciting thing. But there is that thing where we have to make sure we hit that message right and we educate properly on that. Um, but I do think that the younger generations are really wising up to the fact that you don't need to spend $800 to you know, get a regimen that is going to really help your skin. Um, you know, Skincare, self-care. And it should be something that's accessible to everyone. Um, so we're really passionate about that. And last, how do you work with Sephora about training the sales staff on your products? Because they're in that position too, right? They're, they got mm -hmm. larger, more expensive products to deal with. And I'm sure from a business standpoint, Sephora is in a very difficult position. And then they have InBeauty Project that is substantially less expensive possibly equal or better. So how do they deal with it? And how do you guys deal with it in terms of training the staff? Yeah, well, I think Sephora is excited about, um, like Alyssa said, we fill a white space for them uh, where they are trying to also convert a lot of consumers, younger consumers, whether that's Gen Z or younger millennial who come in who can afford an $18 lip gloss or you know, a $25 blush, but they can't make that jump to an $80 moisturizer. And so I think they're they're not really afraid of us coming in in this white space. They're excited about it because they're also hoping that we can help convert some of those customers from just color into skincare, which takes them into another category and makes them more loyal consumers overall. But I will say we closely work on education with Sephora. It's going to be a key um, thing for us to really um, stand out and and explain why we exist and why we're different and why we're here and i think it's done in a very delicate way as to not be negative to other brands but to also showcase our positive points and what we're trying to do for the skincare industry as a whole but it's a very close collaboration and and you know there's gonna it's gonna take a build like Alyssa said everything's a build we can't go in there and expect everyone on day one the day we're on the shelf to understand who we are and what we are and what we're trying to do and it's gonna take a field team and we're working on building that out right now and so we're gonna have people who you know are in beauty um you know people go into the stores and and really talk to them and explain to them why we were so passionate about making this brand. So it's, it's a close collaboration. Wonderful. Where does InBeauty Project go from here? The U.S. market, fortunately, is such a beast and there's so much there's so much to conquer here. Um, so we're going to keep checking away at that piece of the pie. We want to make sure that we gain share. And back to your pricing question, it's a great one, but it's also really like acute strategy for us, the lower the price, the bigger your buying potential, your buying pool. So, you know, the end goal for us is that more people are going to be able to afford us versus the higher, the higher price points. So that's where the economics will work in our favor. Um, so, I mean, we're, co we're committed to that. From here, hopefully we'll get bigger and bigger um, here domestically and get a better partnership and keep growing within within Sephora. And my ultimate goal is, you know, it's, it's hard because people are like, what do you want to do? Do you want to get really successful? Do you want to sell the company? I want to become a household name. I want InBeauty to be a brand that people love, that it's much more than just skincare to them. It's skincare that makes them feel good, but also we stand for their ideals and things that they believe in. And it becomes 
something that they look at fondly and recommend to their friends. Great. Everyone, please go check out InBeautyProject.com. Thank you so much, Alyssa. Thank you so much, Jen. It's really been a pleasure to learn. Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Thank you. We all have a story to tell. Let's tell yours. Welcome to the Intellectual People Podcast with your host, Jason. Come together and listen to journey stories and more from interesting people. Welcome your host, Jason. Jason.